Oh, 
That was the song, that exact song, that was played very loudly in the last days of of Susan's life. And so we started off with that song being played, and we're going to end up with a, a song that Ray and Susan would listen to at every occasion, a Pink Floyd song. And that's also going to be played very loudly. But just a very warm welcome to everybody here this afternoon. What we've come to do, we've come to, to say goodbye. We've come to remember Susan. We've come to comfort the family as they mourn the loss of a daughter, the loss of a mom, the loss of a friend. We've come to say goodbye. And so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful life of Susan Jane Brooks. We ask for your presence, your mercy, and your comfort 
to be with us this afternoon. And in the months and years ahead, that we would know you. We thank you, Lord, for the scriptures which give us such hope. Paul said in one of his letters, he said, it is, It's not better to go and be with the Lord. It is far better. And so we know that Jesus has accepted Susan and as Susan is with her Lord and her Savior, even right now. And yes, there are tears, but at the same time, Susan would want us to rejoice and there would be a joy in our hearts because there's no more pain. There's no more suffering. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence with us. And we pray that as we remember Susan today, that you will comfort us. You have been so kind to me. And that was the testimony of Susan, that you would say of her heavenly father, you have been so kind to me. I think it was in 1979 that I joined a church in Hillcrest called the Presbyterian Church. And Gavin and Jill and Trisha and Susan and Jordan and Hilton were much younger. And Gavin became my mentor for many seasons and many years. And part of why I am who I am today is because of you, Gav. And so it's a great honor and it's a great privilege to be sharing at this memorial service. In that song we, we sang, it said, you have been singing over us. And I remember about a year or 18 months ago when Susan came to our house and she would come regularly to our house. Mary Ellen and my daughter, we were in the music room and we just sang over her. We just sang God's favor and God's blessing. Just such special times. It was probably 18 months ago that Susan reappeared here in Sarepta. And it was so wonderful to see her coming and sitting. I think she sat somewhere near Shirley Ann next to Bob and Evelyn. And she was welcomed with open arms and she felt like she had come home. She had come to her family, the body of Christ. And although mom and dad were far away, This was her family, and we had a wonderful privilege of walking with her. And every time she came, these were the words that she declared. She declared over herself, she said, God is my father. God is my protector. God is my guide. And God is my healer. Just in walking with her through the year and through the operations and, and she was fiercely independent and, and didn't want to be a burden to anybody, particularly even her family. And so it was a great privilege that she would come to us after work, after, I mean, she was suffering and in great pain and yet she would work and in the evenings, once a week she would come and we would pray and read the scriptures with her. It never gets better than that. Life never gets better than praying with, with people and, and walking with them through the valley of death. In the scripture, the song that they sang, that uh, his goodness and mercy follows us all the days of, of our lives. And it did with Susan. It pursued her and just her boys...
What amazing kids. And she lived for her boys. They were her, her world. She loved you with everything. And I'm sure as people talk, you're going to hear more about that. But as this house, as part of this house, there's a scripture which I read to Sue just at sort of the end of January when she came back from, from America and I had to like, she came back earlier and, and, and she didn't get a hold of me and I, and I knew I needed to get a hold of her and she wasn't answering my phone or answering my SMSs. And I said to the Lord, I said, she's got to answer the phone. I need to go and be with her. And I phoned and she answered and I went to plantations. And we just shared and talked. And the Lord gave me a scripture. A scripture from, for, for her. A scripture of hope. A scripture of hope for each of us. That uh, the life that we live here now is, is fleeting. And uh, there is a hope. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to read from the message version. It says, for instance, we know, know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they will be replaced with resurrection bodies in heaven. God made, not man made. And we'll never have to relocate our tents again. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move. And so we cry out in frustration. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack. And we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing. Our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetites by giving us a taste of what is ahead. He puts a little heaven in our hearts so that we will never settle for less. We will never settle for less. What hope that scripture brought to her and that scripture brings to you and I. That as we look at the reckless love of God, a love which pursues us, a love which went to the cross, a love which hung naked with nails through his hands, that we might have life and we might have eternal life. That is the good news that the gospel is. And so we rejoice. We rejoice in our going home to be with the Lord. And at the same time, there's lots of tears. And we see Jesus, when Lazarus died, he was weeping. And he wept. And he was about to raise Jesus from the dead. At least Lazarus, sorry. Thanks for. He was about to be raised from the dead, and, and yet Jesus wept. He wept because death was never meant to be part of our lives. It was never meant to be on the horizon. Death and separation from God were never, never part of the original plan. That was all due to the fall and death and disease. And the, the devil came to rob, steal, and, and destroy and kill. But Jesus came that we might have life. And Jesus wept, so there's going to be weeping. And there's going to be weeping for some time. But in the weeping, 
We have to know, we have to hold fast to the scriptures, to the gospel, to the good news. And Susan would want me to challenge each of us to this good news because it was her news. And she was fighting bravely. And we prayed every time for God to heal her and God to raise her up. And the mystery of God, and I don't understand it all. But I do know that he's always good and he's always kind and he always loves us. And we need to rest assured in that. And more than anything, she would want you to know him as your father, as your protector, as your guide, as your healer, as your life. That's why Jesus came. And so we can rejoice with her. And one day, sooner than later, we will be with her. Amen. Preach it, Jonathan. You've got a chance to talk just now. So I just want to encourage you with that. It's been a beautiful journey, a hard journey. But that is the life in which we live in. If anybody here can put up your hand and say that life has been easy, it's been just one amazing thing after the other, I would be surprised. But all in it all, I have known the faithfulness of God. He has never left me. He has never forsaken me. And if you walk with him, he will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. If you follow him every day, his love will pursue you. And so, those famous words that Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. The Lord has gone ahead of Susan and has prepared a place for her. There's no more, no more tumors, no more pain. No more tears for, for her. And so, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your love for her, your love for each of us. And we thank you now that we're going to remember this wonderful life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And so we've got quite a long batting list today. And uh, Trisha, I think, is opening the batting. That's what it says in my list. Are you recording for Hilton? Hilton's on FaceTime. <laughs> Trisha is Susan's sister. I didn't know I was opening the batting, but here goes. Okay. Um, I've got some defining moments in my life of Susan. Uh, Susan was my younger sister by three years, and when we were younger, we were always together. We were always, we went through, well, just our childhood together. But there's some defining moments that I remember of Susan. One of which was when she phoned me to tell me she was pregnant with Cameron, and I was really jealous, really, really jealous. Um... She phoned me each time she felt pregnant with those three boys, and I was really, really jealous. Um, uh, there's another time that I was, I was at mom and dad's house in Kloof, and we were having an argument, and I was irritating her, because I irritate a lot of the family a lot of the time. Um, and she had a cup of coffee in her hands, and she looked at the coffee, and she looked at me, she looked at the coffee, and she looked at me, and I knew what she was going to do, and that coffee just went all over me. And my response was, I'm not used to that kind of violence in the UK anymore, Susan. <laughs> I've also got another defining moment when she phoned me and I was at work, and she said, look, I've just got something to tell you, but you've got a sister with a brain tumor. And that was it. So I had a sister with a brain tumor. The other defining moment is I came out about two weeks ago and I was here for three weeks because we thought that this, her time would come sooner and it didn't. 
But my God, did I irritate her. <laughs> and there were times, a defining moment, when I said to her, what can I do? Nothing. Just go away. <laughs> and on Saturday, the Sunday, I think, or Saturday, I, I spoke to her. We were sending her messages to say, it's okay, Sue, you need to go now because, you know, you fought this long enough and hard enough. Um, and I was talking to Karen and Jordan and Mum on FaceTime, and she was in the bed. Um, and, I, and she was, obviously heard my voice, and she kind of got a bit irritated. And I had to say, it's all right, Sue, I'm still in the UK. I'm not, I'm not here in the room with you. But she went. The most defining moment for me, and this is to my very, very, very precious nephews, the night before her very, very first surgery, Susan and I spent a long time together just talking. And I promised her that night that whatever happened, I would be there for Cameron, Dylan, and Cade. I'm not their mother, but I'm the horrible auntie that's bossy and interfering, and I've got their back every single way. You are her legacy, you boys. I've loved you each from the moment I saw you, and I was at every one of your births. Well, not for Kate, but at your births. <laughs> and let me just tell you, she loved you. Her love for you was overwhelming. My love for my sister was overwhelming, and my love for you boys is overwhelming. She would be so proud of you today. Thank you. Well done. Well done. If I can ask Jonathan, a father of this house, known Gavin and Jill for more than 40 years, I think. We're all sick and tired of this shack we're living in. What memories? What memories this family has? What courage, what pain, what a family. What enterprise, what chutzpah. What wonder, what ecstasy. What joy unspeakable and full of glory. What extremes of beauty and excitement. And what grief, what pain, what tears, what sorrow. But there's a promise. Blessed are they that mourn, they shall be comforted. And he shall turn your mourning into dancing. I'm very jealous of her. Remember what the scripture was written. We need to think of this world as a garbage heap, this present evil world from which the Lord came to deliver us. But the essence of this present evil world, that it is present, is not future. So we're caught in the tension between the hope of glory and the extremes of joy in which Susan is now bathed and the gap, the bottomless gap that has broken out in our lives. She's not here. There's, a, there's a, an empty space. And grief has to have its time. Some people say, now come on, move on, shake up. It's rubbish. As we've heard, there's a season, there's a valley, there's a valley of tears to walk through. Deep, deep, deep pain. Always with that lining of hope. Because we weep for ourselves and we don't weep for Susan. We dance with Susan. But there's nothing to escape the big, dark awfulness and horror that is there. 
and will diminish sooner or later, maybe later. But for, for, for each of us, I leave you with a story that Marilyn Bowden shared us in our fellowship last week. Of the man who lost his family at sea and lost all his wealth in a fire. And he was sailing across the sea and at the point at which his family had drowned because he had not been with them, he composed the song. It is well with my soul. And that's our song today. Thank you, Jonathan. We're going to sing that song at the end. If I can ask Gavin. Uh, I have three things to share with you. Um, the first is a, is a letter from Brad Potter, one of Cameron's closest friends, uh, who says the following, I'm sadly unable to attend the memorial for Sue, so I have prepared a little message that I'd really appreciate being read out on behalf of Cameron's friends that were lucky enough to know her. My deepest condolences to you and the family. And this then is a message from Sue's second sons. I write this with such a sore heart today. The news of Sue's passing this week brought such a rush of emotions and memories this week, memories that we will certainly never forget. What is common throughout all these memories was your zest for life and your generosity and kindness that you constantly showed us as Cameron's friends. At times, this took the form of including us in your family holidays or making sure we were all on board to attend the next Parlotones concert with you guys. As young teenagers, you used to let us work at your hotel functions so we could earn a bit of extra pocket money. Even though we spent most of the night avoiding our duties to chase girls, you would still pay us generously because you knew we needed the money. You always treated us like family and we will never forget that. It's no secret that you've always been the biggest fan and supporter of Cameron, Dylan, and Cade. But what made you so special was the fact that you showed that same support for Cameron's friends on and off the sports field. This is testimony to the legacy you leave behind. Sue, you had an enormous heart, and all we can say is that it was a privilege knowing you. I know I speak on behalf of all Cameron's friends, when I say that you'll be loved and remembered forever. Thank you for all the good times we spent together. Rest in peace, our dearest Sue. The second thing I, I wanted to share with you is, I didn't witness it, but I know all about it. Uh, for Cameron's 20th birthday, Sue decided to teach all these young men how to treat women. And so what she did was she organized a dinner party at which Ray was the waiter. Had to wear a little bow tie. Susan cooked this magnificent dinner for six couples. She lectured these young men and said, you're to treat your girlfriends like Dresden China. They are to wear long dresses there's no such thing as jeans or anything like that. You're to get dressed in a tuxedo or, at worst, a suit. And I want you all to buy your, these young women a gift for that evening. And it was very formal and it was very proper. And to me, that personified Susan. Uh, a lot of what she did was a learning exercise. The third thing I'm going to tell you I'm going to have difficulty with. But I want to pay tribute to a family here 
And that is Jordan, Karen, and their three children. Jordan wasn't Susan's doctor. He was her brother. He's an orthopedic surgeon. He's not a neurosurgeon. But if you want to know, if, if you want evidence of the evidence, uh, evidence of, of how Jesus operates in this world today, you don't have to look much further than this front row. <clears throat> Four weeks ago, Susan was living in plantations. Jordan and Karen came to me on a Saturday morning and they said, we've decided to convert our lounge, they've got a very large lounge, into a bedroom for Sue and we're going to bring her down here and we're going to look after her. We're going to surround her with the furniture she loves and we're going to care for her. She's not going to hospice, she's not going to hospital, and, uh, and that's what, uh, what we all did. We, we moved Susan. And um, <clears throat> it's been very difficult for, for Jordan and Karen, but, you know, Susan was surrounded right up to her death by barking dogs, the noise of children playing, the television on, life went on as normal. We all decided that what she would want was normality. And we believed that she could hear every single word we said. So we didn't pull any punches. We just tried to be as normal as possible. But towards the end, certainly for the last nine days, these two, Jill and I also took our turns, actually slept. One of us slept in the same bed with her. Or on the couch, in the lounge. So she was never alone at night. And I think the thing that really broke me up, and I'm going to conclude with this, is somehow or other Jordan managed to communicate with her even when she was non-communicative. And the one time, he was obviously asking her, are you, are you in pain and, and, and treating her for that, etc. But the one time... <laughs> He uh, leant over and he kissed her and he said, I love you. And he said, I want you to give me a hug. And he took those beautiful arms and those long fingers and he lifted them up and he put them around the back of his neck. And she gave him a little squeeze. I don't know how much she did. And that, that's what I want to conclude with. This family particularly, look, we all had our role to play. Trish has been here. Hilton's been here. But, uh, yeah, I just, I think Susan would want me to tell you that. I know she would. Okay. Well done, Gav. Jordan, I think it's you now. Um, I'm reading this from Hilton and Wendy. Uh, they asked us to read this, this poem. Um, there, okay. Sorry. Which is entitled To You, Sue. Fond memories of being reunited for a while, all around bustling conversation, from you the glint of a smile. No more pragmatic, no steadfaster figure, was apt to break into joy if you found the right trigger. Committed and loyal, no time for flash, just the complete opposite of rash. On your very first trip to the US of A, you took home toilet paper because, quote, it's soft, hey? <laughs> in thought and in gift, your generosity a delight, always so considerate, the razor-sharp insight. Caring daughter and sister, loving mother and wife, Loyal friend, true believer, a proud, devoted life. As the thunder rolled in and the waves did crest, you gave it your all, you gave it your best. If we could have half as much as courage as you, there's almost nothing that we couldn't do. Now there is much more to say and much that never got said, but for you on this day, 
I opt for silence instead. Yeah. Bill can write that. Then there's another poem that reminded Wendy and Hilt so much of Sue, and um, they felt that it reflected her faith and her personality perfectly. Uh, it's by Mary Elizabeth Fry, 1932, entitled, Do Not Stand at My Grave and Weep. Do not stand at my grave and weep. I am not there. I do not sleep. I am a thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints on snow. I am the sunlight on ripened grain. I am the gentle autumn rain. When you awake in the morning, hush. I am the swift uplifting rush of quiet birds in circled flight. I am the soft stars that shine at night. Do not stand at my grave and cry. I am not there. I did not die. And then there's just one more thing which is from, from us as a family for Sue. Uh, it's, it's from a song, and I'm just going to read, read the verse and the lyrics, which is, you're packing a suitcase, you're packing a suitcase, Sue, for a place none of us has been, a place that has to be believed to be seen. You could have flown away a singing bird in an open cage who will only fly, only fly for freedom. Walk on, Sue, walk on, Sue. What you've got, they can't deny it, they can't sell it, they can't buy it. Walk on, Sue. Walk on, Sue. Stay safe tonight. Thanks, Jordan. If I can ask Margie, Margie's going to read something from uh, Hilton's daughters who have written. Okay. This is a message from Brooke and Hazel. What I remember about Auntie Sue is... I remember that she taught me the pinky promise and what it means. It means that we will always keep our promise. I also remember the time we went to Goyan Bush Lodge with Sue and the entire family. One of her favorite things to do would be to relax with a cup of coffee while watching different animals go by from the deck of the game lodge. What a fun time all together. We had this wild pig come to our camp fire one night. Later, Pops tripped over the branch and almost fell into the fire. Of course, we didn't want him to fall into the fire. Sue laughed a lot afterwards, but was the first one to give him sugar water and kept asking him if he was all right. I'm also so glad that Sue came at Christmas time and spent time with us here in Boston. I'm very sorry that we lost Sue and I'm going to miss her. I'm looking forward to coming to South Africa soon so that I can hang out with my cousins and give them hugs. I love Sue and I'm going to pray that she is now happy and at peace and not suffering anymore from Brooke and Hazel with love well done Margie now we've got uh, some of Susan's friends and I think Jacqueline not uh, Shirley Ann sorry <laughs> Shirley Ann Leach is going to come with props okay I'm not used to speaking on a mic and I hope I'm not going to be too long. Susan was my longest and dearest friend. And she is still here today with us. When I went to buy these balloons, the lady said to me, is it somebody's birthday? I said, no. It's her memorial service, but it's like her second birthday because she's all new all over again. And a few of the memories I have of Susan is 
telling me, oh, Cheryl, I just want eyelashes to put mascara on. And as a girl, I so got that. And I thought, if that's all she wants, think of all the things we want. And that's all Susan wanted, was to be pain-free and have some eyelashes to put mascara on. But there's so much more to Susan than what became. And her and I used to talk about the beast. I used to say, how's that beast? And she never moaned, ever. Never once did Susan ever say to me, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why do I have this pain? Never once. She used to say to me, I'm so blessed. And the last time, her last op in Cape Town in September, she phoned me afterwards. She was on her own, which I can't quite believe I didn't go there. I have a lot of regret with my relationship with Susan. And she was euphoric. Sure, shouting down the phone to me, sure, it was a success. The doctors were amazing. Not, oh my gosh, none of that. It was always just, wow. She was just a wow. Whatever she did and wherever she went, she was just wow. And that's why I had to get these balloons because today is a very, very sad day. And yet we have to celebrate the Susan that is. And it wasn't the sick Susan. There's so much more to her to remember. And we're going to remember her as the colorful Susan. And we're going to celebrate. And after today, we're going to make a noise. We're not going to talk in whispers. Because we have got something to celebrate in the life of Susan. What more can I say about her mothering ability? I'm jealous too. I'm so jealous of Susan for the love that her children have for her. It's not normal. They love her. They love her more than I think children love their parents or their mother. She was their best friend and their confidant. She was their go-to girl. And that's how we're going to remember Susan. And no one's ever going to fill that space. And I'm not going to try. But I'm going to ask you if I can one day try and fill her shoes as a granny to your children. Just a little bit. I know that might seem like a long way off. Maybe not for you. But if you're here, I want to know when her grandchildren come. I want to be at their birthdays. And I want to arrive with balloons and be that wacky, wacky friend of your mommy's to be there for your children. I wrote a long, long, long speech, which I'm not going to use. This is my speech, but I don't need it. But her life has not ended. It has merely changed. She was my brave heart. My warrior woman. And no one can ever take that from you. Just a few memories. We had a family wedding in Cape Town in September. Soon after her last operation, which were not normal operations. She arrived at my parents' house shortly before they left for the wedding in Cape Town shortly after her last operation. I'm not sure she should have been driving or cooking, but she arrived at our house with a tin of crunchy chocolate biscuits. The best you could taste. Your recipe, perhaps. I don't know. But those chocolate 
crunchy biscuits came to Cape Town, and my entire family was coming from all over the world, and we ate Susan's crunchy biscuits. Wherever Susan went, she blessed. She blessed with her food. She could cook. And one last memory, we all went down to Ponte de Ora. I don't know how many people, right? 25, I don't know, just piles of people. Piles of beautiful boys. And I said to her, Susan, I can't cater for these people. Remember, right? I can't do this. I mean, if you come to my house, you get a chicken and, and salad, and that's big. Susan catered single-handedly, obviously with Ray at Macro. I don't know how many trolleys it took, but Susan shopped, transported. We helped a bit with transport. Thank goodness, bounty points. She fed us all, and not just normal food, awesome food. And on the last day, after a week, there was nothing to throw away or nothing to take home. I mean, who can do that? Who can cater? She was phenomenal. She was so capable. So I just want to do, and also last thing, I hope I'm not going on for too long, but Susan and I jawed together. We went to home group. We went to church camps. We celebrated God together. We put God behind us together. We found Benson and Hedges Special Mile together did a few behind youth group. Then she went to Addington Hospital and became a nurse, and she was one year ahead of me at school. She used to sneak me into the nurses' rooms. Oh, what fun. And then we used to go jawling in Durban and then sneak me back into her, into her room at the hospital. So to end, I would like you all to think of something today that will make you remember Susan forever. Just take that moment now, whatever it might be, a song, a ladybird, a four-leaf clover. For me, it's Groening's Coffee or Jacob's. When I went to Ponta with her, I was cheap, drinking cheap coffee and she brought Groening's Jacob's to Ponta and I've never looked back. And every morning from now on, when I drink my Cronings coffee, I will be thinking of my friend Susan Jane. So I ask you to take this moment now to think of something that will remind you of Susan going forward. Susan has entered heaven's gate. Before she took her first breath, heaven God, Jesus, was singing over her. Before she took her first breath, heaven was celebrating. And let me tell you, heaven is one fat party. And before she took her last breath, heaven was celebrating over her life. So Cronings Coffee, licorice all sorts, which I will spread out with the eats. Please eat them and savor the taste and the color that they are. And there are also three beautiful journals that Susan, uh, Tricia said to buy. One for Cade, Dylan, Cameron. I would love you, I will write their names in the front. If you could just leave a message for them that they can take with them. Our wounds are our glory. And if that is the case, Susan has glory. Glory, glory, glory. And my notes are such a mess, but I did want to end with immortal diamond. No greater, harder stone than a diamond. She is your diamond. Immortal diamond. Thank you for the privilege of sharing my friend's life. Well done, Shirley.
Colette, another of Susan's friends. Hi, family and friends. Not easy for me to stand before you and talk, but Cameron asked me to share a few words about Sue. She will be laughing at me because she knows how scared I am. I met Sue 20 years ago when we decided to rent a property of theirs. From there, we got to know each other, which became the every, every other weekend social at Sue and Ray's with good friends, good music, and lots of booze. Three years of Christmas lunches with family and friends where Sue's passion in the kitchen always was brought to the table and memorable Christmases was had by all. In all this, we became pregnant a month apart. Where my Maddie and Kate bond started, today they still, although life has taken them in different directions, have a bond no one can describe. Sue always planned getaways, whether it was camping away in Botswana off to the cricket, or just a day somewhere to get together. Sue was a hard nut to crack, but I was one of the lucky ones who got to crack the nut and get to know her. Ten years ago, I remember sitting outside with her having a coffee and a smoke, and her complaining about headaches, which she thought the 20 cups of coffee a day may be the cause. Who would have thought that was far from the truth? Sue fought a hard fight through this bloody tumour that just wouldn't go away. But with strength and I don't know what, she kept going through countless surgeries and radiation to fight off this tumor. Sadly, we stand today as her fight was lost. The only consolation is she is at peace and the healing for all around now begins. To Dylan, Cameron, and Kate, boys, your mom loved you and is so proud of you. And to all left behind, family and friends, Life is short, so live it. Dreams are real, so chase them. And memories are sweet, so cherish them. Rachel, another friend. Well, the friends all bring props, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Afternoon, everyone. What can I tell you about Sue that most of you all don't know sitting here today? This week, there were so many happy images of Sue on Facebook that it seemed like the obvious place to start when thinking about what to say here today. On delving into my Facebook albums, it struck me that nearly half of these albums were of happy times spent with Sue and Ray. Sue was a great planner, and every year it seemed that there would be that phone call or email regarding all of the trips and outings she planned for the year, and the inevitable question was asked, are you in? There were so many good times and trips, where do we start? Sue loved her holidays and always welcomed friends to come. It seemed the more the merrier. From that first invitation to Mozambique and the last we had, I knew there would be more to come. There were many camping trips to the coast, the berg, and the best memory by far was the holiday we shared in Botswana, where yet again Sue showed her organisational skills and where even in the middle of the bush we certainly were not going to starve while Sue was around. And of course, Sue's famous chocolate crunchies accompanied every single trip. Then there were many outings we shared from Sue Love of the Parlotones, Madame Zingara, the Durban July, and of course, Kersney Choir, where she was always the proudest mother there. For friends and family here today, remember the road through grief is a rocky one. Traveling along it requires courage, patience, wisdom, and hope. Something that in the last few years Sue had in heaps. Something that each and every one of us can learn from. In closing, I'm sure many of you can relate that one of the many great things that Sue enjoyed was a glass or two of good red wine shared with friends. I remember one occasion in particular when we were invited to Sue and Ray's house for dinner on what was supposed to be a quiet night with a few drinks on a Saturday. It started out like that, and then the bottle of chocolate block arrived. Not one, not two. And to be honest, to this day, I still can't remember how many bottles of chocolate block we consumed that night. But we all certainly raided Sue's stash. So in closing, I thought it would be fitting to have one more glass of chocolate block to celebrate your life, friendship, and happy memories. Cheers, Sue.
Louise has written something, but she's here, but she asked me to read it. Sue, you were my friend, my confidant, my go-to mom, and you always had my back. We only met just over 10 years ago through our children, Cade, your youngest, and Kelly, my eldest. And I remember the first time we met like it was yesterday. It was Cade's grade R birthday party at the Crocodile Farm in Botha's Hill. We sat and chatted, and I remember thinking, you are such a proud mom. It's our first, in, in our first meeting, you told me about Cameron's cricket achievements and Dylan's choir achievements. Cade was still very young, but I've managed to sh- share all his achievements with you because from that day, we became friends. You are my school mom friend. We always made sure that we would sit together at school functions, from sports days to concerts to prize givings, and any party that we had to attend with our children. If you weren't going, neither was I. When Cade and Kelly started senior primary, I remember I invited Ray and yourselves over to our house for a braai, and Ray and Stephen also enjoyed each other's company. From that day on, we shared most weekends together and most of my family highlights in the last five years I have shared with you. As my friend, I could always come over and have a cup of coffee, something we both enjoyed together, tell you all my problems, and I know I would get a straight answer. If I was being unrealistic, you would tell me. If I was having problems with my children, you always gave me the right advice. If I just needed time out, you were always great conversation. You, on the other hand, never wanted to burden me with any of your issues. I remember getting a telephone call before one of your procedures, and you were saying the reason you were phoning was because you thought this time you would tell me what was happening so that I would not sulk because I found out after it happened. This just proves how brave and strong you were, not, wanting, not ever wanting to burden anyone. Sue, I have lost a great friend and someone who I've looked up to. Rest in peace, Louisa. <laughs> That's the official batting list. But if anybody else would like to just share something about Sue, about how Sue impacted your life, please uh, feel free. Well, I just want to say I love Susie and I miss her. And when I, I went over to her house and I, um, and she made me cottage pie and I'm like oh wow Susie that's the best cottage pie and then well yeah well I don't have very much to say but I do have a lot Well, what a testimony and a, and a celebration of Susan's, Susan's life. I think we can finish the, the chocolate block. But there, will, there are going to be some cakes and, eat, and, and eats just, just now. But uh, let, us, let us all stand. And we're going to sing this song, It Is Well With My, with my Soul. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we, we, bless, we bless Susan. We commend her to your mercy, to the mercy of our Maker and our Redeemer. We commit her body to the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And we commend her to the just and merciful judgment of him alone who has perfect understanding to even to Jesus our Lord and our Savior Sue's Lord and Savior we commit it to you we commend it to you 
We say, enjoy your Savior, Jesus. Dance with Him. Just see the balloons and just dance with Jesus. With Jesus. And so let us sing in the midst of loss. Let us sing with gusto this song. It is well with my soul. And so, Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your joy. And we pray, Lord, we pray that, that you would give the family comfort. And that they would be able to cast their care and their burdens and their tears, tears on you. And so we ask this in Jesus' name. And now, to him is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before his presence. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority, both now and forever. Amen. And so we're going to close with Pink Floyd loudly playing Wish You Were Here. Amen. If I can ask just uh, the family and there's eats and, and drinks through there. If I can ask the family just to stand at the, at the, at the front there and people will come and offer their condolences to you. Bless you all. Thank you all for coming and celebrating the life of Susan. Amen.